We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the college edition, brought to you by Wix.com. I'm John McKechnie, and as always, I'm joined by college football editor and guru, uh, Mario Puig. Mario, last week was pretty crazy. We saw some pretty unbelievable individual performances uh, that we'll get into here in a minute, but we saw a serious shakeup at the top of of the playoff standings uh, with Ohio State uh, kind of running into that dreaded uh, trap game let down after a big win of, in their own right uh, at Penn State. Uh, what was your reaction to that game? I wasn't expecting that at all. So uh, I was I was pretty well shocked, especially at how badly the 
Ohio State offense did or how well the Penn State defense did, whichever way you look at it. But even after that game, Penn State's still allowing almost 4.8 yards per carry between 4.7 4.8. So it's surprising to see uh, JT Barrett, uh, Curtis Samuel, and Mike Weber not do more than what they did. But yeah, I, I thought... I thought it, the, the the game would have been different, especially in the sense that I thought Urban Meyer having the record that he does. I, th- I thought that get, the, getting the easy or getting the, the you know the tough win against Wisconsin the week before, I thought that 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 much more they wouldn't take anything for granted and, right. and be really just on their toes about that game. But maybe they were just physically exhausted from you know going into overtime against one of the you know, most brutally physical teams in the country. I think that certainly had an effect on it. I think them having to play. A week after that real slugfest, you know, easily the toughest game that they've played all season. Whereas Penn State, they're at home at night, uh, coming off a of bye week. I think that that definitely was able to help them. But you know, there's some some head scratching sort of almost what we saw last year, where we didn't like we've seen what Ohio State looks like when it's clicking on offense, but it seems. It seems like these days something's gunking up the engine. I mean, the, Curtis Samuel only had two two uh, carries out of the backfield, and let me see how many catches he had. Well, he did have eight catches, but, I mean, still, you know, when his two carries go for 71 yards and a score, you'd expect, you know, them to kind of ride that momentum a little bit more. Yeah, that's, just, that's a play-calling failure for sure. He had yeah. no less than eight in any of the prior games. Yeah, so that – that was a big mistake on Ohio State's part. I'm still not sold on Penn State moving forward. Uh, we'll get into uh, my feelings on, on their game this week uh, in a little bit. But uh, let's see. We saw Bama uh, with the push at a 19-point victory over A&M. Yeah, that was, I was not expecting the margin to be that big. It, was, it felt a little closer than that number. At least like in the first half, A&M right. played pretty tough, but... Yeah, it just looks like Alabama has too many NFL-ready players for any team, maybe other than Clemson or something. Michigan might be able to put up a fight, but as it looks right now, it doesn't look like Alabama is especially beatable. No, especially now that Ohio State's probably on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs are concerned. I don't really know if there's a team that can really match up with them uh, as far as talent is concerned so yeah Bama just continues to be scary uh, I thought Colorado and, and Washington State were able to kind of pull off these kind of ugly but still pretty strong road wins uh, you know relative to what we've seen from them in the past Colorado is now bowl eligible they beat Stanford on the road by five uh, ten to five game Washington State uh goes down to the desert and you know Mike Leach was so worried about uh all of the sign stealing and, and whatnot but uh they will pers- persevere and get the win down there uh yeah that guy definitely reads Infowars so I'm <laughs> sure he was convinced that you know not not only Arizona State but certainly President Obama were, were directly listening to his his phone calls reading his emails and he won anyway which is it's uh you got to give him credit for that yep uh let's see uh did you catch any of Leonard Fournette just absolutely shredding Ole Miss yeah that was that was um kind of surreal especially in the early part of the game when it was like he started with like six carries for like 180 yards and two touchdowns it was like he did that and then there was like a whole second game's worth of stats that he accumulated in the, the later in the game where it was moved him down to only like 12 yards a carry or whatever it was after starting out at like 30 or 35 oh my gosh so, so the set the second game worth of stats was 12 yards a carry so i mean it looks like uh 
via CFB stats, he ended the day 16 carries, 284 yards. It's a 17.75 average. That is oh, just okay, terrifying. Yeah. So they, they only lowered him by about half then in that case. I thought, they, I thought they got him down to like 12, but I guess 17 is the number. Yeah, gosh. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see that uh, Fournette is bad, back, and uh, he looks pretty – uh angry that he had to was miss there like time. steam coming out of his ears it, during it, that game it certainly looked like that at times i mean the way he was trucking people over uh definitely shades of that auburn game from last year when he was just a human wrecking ball uh, against that auburn defense but speaking of auburn auburn looks a lot better i think we were we were kind of alluding to this last week we were a little bit unsure of, of how big that line was coming into it going against arkansas uh, just because Arkansas was coming off a, a solid win in their own right. But Auburn, coming off the bye, they just come out. And we did mention that Arkansas's run defense had been pretty poor. Of right. Late, and Auburn certainly sensed blood in the water. And I think they set an SEC record for rushing yards in that game or something. Yeah, either way, I, I don't understand how Arkansas's offense does what it did in that game, which is to say nothing. Uh, three points, It's that's a... I mean, Texas A&M put up uh, 29 points against Auburn when Auburn was at home. I would have expected, I would have expected Arkansas to do more than 21, but at least that. Right. And uh, they, I, I don't know what it is if they had just like a bag of tricks that they used up entirely before that game or whatever. But yeah, that was that's pretty embarrassing for Arkansas. That that seems like a quit quitting kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah, that was just you, you know I think their will to to play after a certain while after the deficit had reached a certain point and probably probably dropped off a fair bit. And then um, I didn't catch this uh, as far as being able to watch it live, but Joe Mixon also had a huge day. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Oh uh, well, he had a huge. Everybody who played in in that game had a huge game. Uh, yeah, Mixon, I, I don't remember, it was something like 70 fantasy points, basically. 263 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, had another 100, um, my internet's not loading. I'm going to just 114 guess. 114 and three yeah, 114 touchdowns three more through the air. The air. Um, Pat Mahomes had something like 780 yards, counting passing and rushing stats. Uh, so that that's just preposterous. Neither team played any defense at all. So it's it's that's pretty much the most wacky box score. It's definitely the most wacky box score I've ever seen. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, say what you will about the big 12. It is at least pretty fun to fun to follow, fun to watch. So that was definitely one game, uh, where, you know, like you said, it's just the most insane, like video game type numbers you're going to see. Um, moving into the teams, it sort of, uh, let us down. Uh, Houston sort of put the final nail in their coffin, uh, you know, that's, not, that's one of the most baffling things I've seen in recent college football history to not just lose against SMU, but to lose by like 18 points or whatever it was. Like, how do you even do like Ben Hicks, their starting quarterback, uh, was a backup to start the year. Uh, redshirt freshman was just atrocious for like he, he has gotten a little better in the last three weeks, but I don't understand how how Houston can make. You know, they they can pummel Baker Mayfield in week one and then, like, let Ben Hicks throw for what he did. Uh, backup running back Braden West ran wild on them. Uh, the Houston offense just, you know, face-planted. So I, I don't know what there is to take away from something like that. It's definitely definitely the the, the most uh, concerning thing Tom Herman has seen as, as head coach of as Houston. Absolutely. And, and, and basically the exact opposite of what they've otherwise been known for, which is to say, like, the, just this – 
uncompromising, high motor, aggressive style of play where they're just, you know, almost psychotic with their aggressiveness and competitiveness. Right, just head and shoulders above everyone else in that conference for the most part. I yeah, mean, and to lose in that fashion against a team like that, it seems like they, they must have just gotten lazy or something. And it's kind of weird because Herman was sort of talking trash about SMU during the week, like heading into that game. So for them to, to come out and lay an egg like that and, you know, not only lose to SMU, but, but lose – pretty convincing yeah they got whooped they yeah got, they got beat bad there's not much else to say at, the, at this point so now there's sort of uh no longer that that sort of group of five uh team that everyone's looking and at. herman's definitely leaving now yeah absolutely and that that's kind of a bummer and you know also like the the lack of expansion action from the big 12 itself i thought that kind of might have sealed that he needs, as well. He needs to leave and take another job before Philip Montgomery or Chad Morris do, apparently. Those two other AAC guys who who were prolific offensive coordinators before going there. So, yeah, yeah. he's, he's, he's going to be headed out. I guess Texas is the fashionable choice. Yeah, I, I guess te- that makes te- a lot of sense. It does, and I think it makes more sense for him than, than LSU probably does, although LSU recruits in Texas too. He probably is relatively familiar with that area as well. Yeah, I mean, he started at was at Ohio State before that, so he's he's uh, he's well traveled at this point, I guess. Exactly. Um, speaking of uh, Texas, uh, Texas, they lose to Kansas State, I believe, last week. I'm ch- I'm slightly surprised that Charlie Strong isn't already fired. Was he fired? I'm assuming he wasn't. I haven't heard anything. No, I mean, he he's he's been fired like the but like his puppet will be trotting the sidelines for for you know the remaining. I guess it's season. just one of those like the 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 program decided like why fire him we can't hire anybody anyway so yeah might as well just sort of start the search now but you give know, the look of a, a program more stable than it actually is and not just fire the guy mid-season yeah i guess that that is the key for them just trying to save face but uh you're making it harder and harder to do that every time you lose to a team like kansas state and your school like texas so things not looking up there in austin uh indiana they're on the they're on this losing skid and we we've been talking about them or we had been talking about them and how encouraged we had been by their defense and you know how the offense hadn't missed too much of a beat despite losing uh sudfeld and and jordan howard and then they they go ahead and lose their third straight game to to northwestern uh third straight game overall they lose on saturday to northwestern uh their quarterback takes him like almost 50 attempts to reach 300 yards or almost 60 attempts to reach 300 yards through the air against that defense. I mean, they look completely lost right now and that they, they were looking sort of like a promising up and coming team in the East, not one that would, that was going to challenge uh, Michigan or, or Ohio state per se, but one that could, you know, maybe finish third in that division. Right. They beat Michigan state, but that turned out to be like beating, I don't know, uh, some other two and five team yeah (laughs) it's like beating indiana um (laughs) yes but yeah i don't i don't know what to make of that team exactly i think it's safe to say they're not very talented on offense and they're being carried by their defense bizarre as that is to say aloud the script is flipped there but yeah uh lago was doing i mean he had that five interception game against wake it seems like he's basically just like a gunslinger who can't actually sling that well and it's it's mostly just been too many turnovers relative to the playmaking 21 as well which bothers me as a quarterback oh yeah he deserves it so he's got 11 interceptions and only 12 touchdowns i'm pretty sure guys like sudfeld and uh and ben chapel whatever have have not 
thrown like more than 12 in a year and he's at he's at 11 already and those guys are like 30 touchdown quarterbacks so this is this is he's looking like he's just about toast but their backup is Xander Diamond and he's like a running back so they don't have anybody yeah that's a that's a problem so I mean unless Legault can kind of uh take some strides forward I think he has another year of eligibility potentially but uh yeah if you're an Indiana fan maybe you're a little bit worried about what's what's coming out under center next year um and then I just wanted to throw uh one last jab out there Uh, South Carolina only beat UMass by six points at home yeah, uh, so they apparently their quarterback Jake Bentley is like seventeen or something, and they started him. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume that's a true freshman and not a red yes. shirt. Um, Freaking genius! Yeah, idiot. I think he. I think he's like the quarterback coach's son or something. Oh, really? Maybe that the is. offensive coordinator. But yeah, son? he. Um, I mean, it was against Massachusetts, but I mean, sixty-five percent of his passes completed, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, Giving some credit to Massachusetts, they have uh, this running back, Marquise Young, who's been really good this year, despite what's been a really brutal schedule for Massachusetts. Right. Like, they played three SEC teams already, uh, Florida on the road, South Carolina on the road, Mississippi State at home. Um, they also had Boston College. So that's – that's and Louisiana Tech is also a tough team they've had to play against. But yeah, Young, Young went over 120 yards in that game. I bet he gets wild against Wagner, I think they're playing this week. Oh, yeah. um, also, Massachusetts has one of the best tight ends in the country, Adam Brenneman, who actually transferred from Penn State after initially retiring for medical reasons. So yeah. he's, he's having a huge year. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what his medical issues uh, were. I can't remember if it was like a knee or a back or something. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's making a case for NFL consideration despite it. Oh, there you go. Very interesting stuff there. And then, um, so that pretty much wraps up what we saw last week. Let's start getting into this week a little bit. Um, Thursday night slate, uh, we're starting off with with Virginia Tech going to Pitt. Uh, Virginia Tech four-point favorites. The over-under feels a little bit high to me. I think this is where I'd be more interested in in, uh, wagering on this game. It's it's at uh, 56.5, and both these teams have really excellent defenses. Well, Pittsburgh's been, I think, uh, I got to I gotta double check this. I'm pretty sure they've been vulnerable against the run, at least. Uh, they did get into that big shootout earlier with, with Penn State, although right. that could have been just like a wacky game. Now, they're, they're only averaging 3.1 on the ground, but uh, 15 touchdowns in seven games. They haven't, they haven't been um, very good against the pass. 12 touchdowns, four interceptions, right. eight and a half per pass. Uh, their pass rush has been good all along, so they're definitely going to get pressure. Uh, I guess I wonder if Gerard Evans is the type that you want to really, you know, blitz that much though, because he's he's a big quarterback. He can obviously run. So I I like Virginia Tech's uh, chances of covering this one. I'm I'm just not convinced that Pittsburgh is good enough on offense to get like any traction at all against the Hokies defense. They are right. at home, and I guess it's like you know Thursday night. Maybe things get a little wacky, but. I generally feel like Virginia Tech's just going to sell out against Connor and not pay for it at all. Yeah, and, you know, I, th- I think I'd be a little bit more concerned for Virginia Tech if they were on, like, a really short week or something. But they, they had – this was a regular rest. This is – they played last Thursday and looked really good against Miami. So I, I'm not worried about them getting the win here. I think they can cover the four-point spread. I think this might go under the 56-and-a-half, though. But, yeah, d- yeah, I definitely don't see Pittsburgh getting much done on offense. No, I I, uh, I recommend it in the, in the article this week to maybe sit James Connor if, if you can because I imagine they're just going to – load up to stop him um we got buffalo 
hosting Akron. Akron, 17.5-point favorites. Man, that's crazy. Buffalo is so bad. Their coach, Lance Leopold, was really successful at the FCS level. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, might not be his fault. Buffalo obviously doesn't have a lot of recruiting capital, and and since Colin Lisa left, they've been exactly. cursed as well. But um, Akron seventeen and a half. That is that is a weird thing to see against a, 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 an in conference team, at least. <laughs> but I, I I don't think I would pick them to cover it just because it's it's Akron and things can get weird. But yeah, they they'll beat Buffalo easily. Like Tommy Woodson's back. Jerome Lane and JoJo Natson both might be NFL receivers. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Buffalo's just got nothing going for them except the running back Jordan Johnson is okay, but that's that's really all they have at all. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine uh, Akron can win this by double digits, but that that is a pretty huge line on the road against a conference opponent. So probably probably staying away from that one overall. Um, let's see, we got Toledo, uh, fifteen point favorites at home against Ohio, uh, fifty seven and a half point uh, over under. Yeah, I bet they cover. I bet. <laughs> I bet they cover, and I think I might even find that over-under to be a little low for Toledo being involved. I, I don't think that their defense is great, so I can imagine Ohio um, – I, I don't know. Ohio, I guess, always is, is probably like an under-team pretty reliably because Solich just has that way of running things. But they switched from Greg Windham to this backup quarterback, I can't remember, and he was a mess last week. Uh, didn't have terrible numbers or anything, but you, there was there was major accuracy issues. So I, I think – Toledo at least Ohio has some good running backs but that's True. that's it and Toledo meanwhile uh, Logan Woodside's just going crazy he's got like 28 touchdowns so far yeah he's he's, he's going crazy out. Cody Thompson's coming off a four touchdown game uh they're deep at receiver Michael Roberts is nine touchdowns at tight end already their backfield of course is you know one of the very best in the country so yeah I, I'll take Toledo to cover maybe, maybe don't take the over but uh I I, I guess going to a third string quarterback like J.D. Sprague was actually supposed to start over Greg Wingham this year before he just left the team right before the season. So it, it's just going with your third-string quarterback on the road at Toledo is, is going to be a bloodbath, I think. Yeah, that does sound like a beatdown in the making right there, so that's a good call. I'll I'll, I'll ride with you on Toledo there. Uh, let's see, we got App State, five-and-a-half-point road favorites at Georgia Southern. App State. I think so, too. And Georgia I, Southern's garbage. Yeah, they've really taken a huge step back since uh, Willie Fritz. Is that Willie Fritz left? And I don't know who – I thought the guy who took over was like a former like Marshall offensive coordinator or something. I got I to gotta look this up because it, okay. it was one of those things where it's like it wasn't um, – it wasn't like replacing one option coach with another. It was like this new guy who just – clearly is not used to the task and he was like oh but i'm gonna keep doing willie fritz's scheme it's like that that you're just gonna speak another language like i don't um but yeah either way i guess it doesn't matter uh yeah but he's 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 not up to the task and uh appalachian states you know they're not they're not quite as scary as they might have looked before, like especially after that Tennessee game. But right. I still I still think they're in a different class than Georgia Southern. Yeah, pretty much anyone else in in that conference, App State should be relatively heavily favored against. Um, so I would I would definitely take that line, even if they are on the road. And then sort of uh, the the other marquee matchup on the West Coast for Thursday evening, we got USC sixteen and a half point favorites uh, at home against Cal. Uh, over under of 75 and a half so you know Vegas is expecting a good bit of scoring in this one um so this is this is really weird uh I'm looking at covers right now the line started at minus 14 for USC uh over under a state at 75 and a half 
but it's up to 16 and a half on there for, for uh, USC being favored. But 73% of the bets are on Cal. So I guess somebody with just an enormous wallet put, uh, is it a minority better on USC for that one? Okay. Um, at least something, and maybe maybe it was 14 or 15 points that they got on it. But still, that's that's a lot of points for Cal. I, has been better than I thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, their new offensive coordinator is doing a great job. I think he he was um was he with Texas A and M. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's he's doing a good job. I'm I'm pretty convinced he's got Davis Webb overachieving because I still don't think he's very good. That's okay. But, but he's doing he's putting up huge numbers, and it's like I think Darnold is for sure the better quarterback, and mm-hmm. obviously the USC defense is quite a lot better than Cal's. But I just would be surprised if if they could really like it, like if only from like running so many plays that the USC defense gets winded in the second half and then covering in garbage time. I would be really surprised if if uh, California lost by seventeen points. Yeah, I mean when you when you have a Cal team that's with Davis Webb and and you know one of the better receivers in the country production wise and Chad Hansen and you well know, he's he's a little questionable, right? Yeah. Uh, did he did he miss last week? He did not play against Oregon. Uh, Oregon is obviously a mess of a team, so it's not like I'm impressed that they beat them. But I mean, sure. it's 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 you know doing what you're supposed to do, so so they at least get credit for that. Uh, but yeah, California. I mean, they got Kelfani Muhammad and Trey Watson are going on the ground, and they they got some people at receiver, even if they don't have Hanson. But yeah, Hanson has Robertson. had like two and a half weeks now to get ready. I guess that means he has a high ankle sprain. He'll he might be limited, but I guess it's like there's a decent chance he'll play. Either way, 17 points is quite a lot for yeah. for Cal. Like they're running like 86 plays a game, and over like, 50 passes a game. Yeah, like I have to believe USC is going to get a little tired in the second half and maybe just like you know give some prevent touchdowns up. Yeah, I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. Do you do you think that that the over under or wh- where do you see the over under going on this one? So yeah, that's weird that the the points changed by almost three and the over under stayed the same. Uh, Seven eighty six basically. That I guess I guess I can see it going over. I don't know. I, I don't really have a. I haven't really like mapped out the the numbers on that one. But I guess if I expect Cal to lose by fourteen or something, then I then I might think that like something like 78 points is is plausible yeah and i think usc's offense it, it seems to be getting better every week as darnold gets better every week yeah too, darnold so. is for real juju smith schuster is is uh not normally ranked so high for me but i think i might have him ranked number one this week definitely top three just because he's he's gonna get like 14 targets yeah it's gonna be yeah he's gonna light it up absolutely so looking forward to watching that game uh late thursday night uh friday we got uh, USF hosting Navy. USF seven and a half point favorites over Navy, uh, even though Navy is ranked, I believe, an over under of sixty three. Yeah, uh, Navy. Uh, so so Quentin Flowers is apparently totally fine for this game, but he left last week's with a hamstring issue. That is a bit of a concern for me since he's he's not really anything if he can't run. Right. So either that that was just like the biggest overreaction of all time to a cramp. Or he might be a little bit limited at least, and that's enough for me to think, especially when Navy just ha- – Navy always is harder than they should be for, like, any team. Right. South Florida is, is ACC quality. Like, they're they're very good, but they're not so – it's not like it's, you know, some SEC, a, a top a half SEC team going against Navy. Like, Navy can run really well, obviously, and South Florida's weakness is against the run on defense. Right. So, I, I see this – 
I see Navy potentially getting the win here. I feel like yeah. uh, I think it is actually six and a half for for South Florida. So I might have misspoke there. Um, but that's still that's still a good bit of points for them to to beat Navy by. I kind of do like Navy in this situation. I like this to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, especially like you said, if if Flowers is is not at a hundred percent, and you know, in which case uh, South Florida is just not going to be clicking on offense the same way that we've seen. Yeah, their backup was an immediate meltdown. Like Uh-oh. he was a he's a freshman or a redshirt freshman, I don't know which, but uh, yeah, the first play he came in. It, to be fair, it was at like their own one yard line where where Flowers got hurt. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he comes in first play, throws like a punt pass, like just a loft to center field, and that guy returns to the three yard line, and then like. A minute and a half, two minutes later, somehow they also give up a safety. The quarterback did, oh so yeah, it's like maybe this won't work. I don't know. He's he's uh, he's not quite ready to go. Then um, let's see. We got Utah State hosting San Diego State. San Diego State five and a half point favorites. Yeah, so Utah State is a is a program I don't hold in nearly as high of an esteem as I did prior to last bowl season when their coach volunteered to lose against Akron by starting Chucky Keaton out of, like, <laughs> yeah. some arrogant idea that, like, oh, even though he's hurt and, like, a shell of, him former, of his former self, like, we, we won't get burned for this. So they deliberately kept their best quarterback on the bench. They lost as a direct result. I'm now convinced that their coach isn't that smart. I don't know what kind of attrition he might have had among his assistants over the last years or if there's been any, but they just don't have much talent. Uh, the only way I'm even thinking of taking Utah State to cover is if Devontae Mays is back, which I don't know. If it seems like he, uh, like he's his knee injury is pretty serious. It sounds so. Like. It is a knee. Yes. I believe okay. So. Yeah, that sounds like it's just like a season ender, and Matt Wells is like thinks he's going to get the the opposing teams to, to like totally forget to cover the run if they think if, i don't know what like what is, what is the what is the t- like the utility of being like he might play he might not when like either way there's going to be a guy running with a football behind offensive linemen right they're going to hand him the ball it's not like he's gonna it's not like the the backup is a guy who lines up 30 yards to the left or the right or something like it's not fundamentally anyway <laughs> d- football coaches are stupid yep that's basically bottom san diego line state there. covers Yep, lock it up, and then uh, we we got uh, Air Force two touchdown favorites at Fresno State. Uh yeah, I I saw that they fired Tim DeRuiter at uh, Fresno, which is overdue. He's a he was a total fraud. Um, he was he was he was hired there after being the defensive coordinator at A and M. So he gets there. Their defenses were always terrible oh, at yeah. Fresno State, but they became he he did that Brian Billick thing where like he gets known for the opposite of oh, what he was right. hired for. Billick was an offensive coordinator and then became like, like a defensive guru Vikings with the Ravens. It was like, no, he's just a failed offensive coordinator who didn't get fired for some reason. Because Marvin Lewis was a good defensive coordinator. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, Ray Lewis and Peter Boulware are, are why uh, Brian Billick wasn't just laughed out of the league. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, uh, Air Force should take this one pretty easily. But I don't know if there's there might be that thing with like... Um, Fresno like does the LSU thing where they play really hard for their new coach who they don't hate as much as the last one or something. I would I would see that potentially, but like Coach O, like he's like in a whole different class of being like an awesome interim guy. So like I I don't think Fresno Fresno State will just be like less apathetic about going out there and playing. Yeah, maybe. they have a, they have like a surprised guy taking over where like he's not he's not just like 
training every day to be an interim coach like Orgeron has. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I guess I'll take Air Force to cover, certainly to win. Yes, definitely to win. I, I do like them to, to cover this one as well. Uh, we got some, some uh, you know, group of five games on Saturday of interest. It's not as loaded as it usually is uh, for, for this segment, but we got a couple good ones. Uh, we got Cincinnati going to Temple. Uh, Temple seven point favorites. Uh, Gunnar Keel took back over at, at quarterback. It's riding high, yeah. which means broken sternum in the first quarter of this game. Well, then Temple. Well, Tuberville's gonna gonna make him play through it anyway. Yeah, I guess I guess so. But uh, he's gonna have that bro- broken sternum. It's a it's an annual tradition. And uh, Temple's I, don't, I I just think Temple's way better coach team, and and they got quite a bit of talent too. I think I think they. They started the year bad, largely because of Jihad Thomas being out. Armstead's been getting hot too, so it's right. it's, it's not as if they're dependent on him in the backfield. Ventel Bryant is for real. Um, it would take it would take turn it would take I think multiple turnovers from PJ Philip Walker uh, for for Cincinnati to cover seven points. Yeah, I think I would I'd be much more comfortable taking Cincinnati in this one if it was like closer to like a nine or a ten point spread. But. Worth mentioning, um, I don't know what's up with Tashumbi Johnson if he's just taking a medical red shirt or whatever, but after um Nate Cole pretty much flopped at receiver for them and, and Devin Gray proved to just be like a a, a long uh, just a downfield target deep route specialist. Uh, Khalil Lewis had a huge game last week at receiver, so he's someone to to target in season long if you're if you need a speculative pickup at receiver. He caught eleven passes for 150 yards, three touchdowns against East Carolina. Interesting. Preceded that game with six, five, and six catch games after starting the year with just seven in the first three weeks. So he looks like he's their new number one receiver in Cole on the way out. Right. So yeah, he's definitely a guy that I'm going to need to think about picking up in our uh, fan tracks league. Um, let's see, we got Boise State going to Wyoming. Boise State, uh, 13 and a half point favorites. Hmm. Um, I kind of feel like Wyoming can cover this. So Wyoming has definitely improved a lot this year, and I, I was I was kind of like swearing I was like swearing off them when the, they lost to Eastern Michigan and uh, didn't cover against Nebraska, even though they were like going to cover by like two touchdowns before they somehow gave up like 40 points yeah, that was in five amazing. minutes. Yeah, that, that, that's the word. Um, but yeah, their quarterback Josh Allen is is pretty good. He can run a little bit. Uh, Tanner Gentry is a really good receiver. But their 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 offense is very narrowly channeled in the sense it's like Allen Gentry's like the only receiver who gets targeted much. Mallhart's there, but he hasn't been doing anything. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Hill has to carry the whole offense, which he often does. He's really good. Uh, I think he had like 280 yards, three touchdowns last week. Boise's been more vulnerable on the ground so far this year than they normally are. But I, I, I guess I, I, I'm not convinced that the talent level between the two teams is similar. And uh, yeah, Allen has shown a, a bit of like a meltdown tendency if if Gentry's taken away, which I, I think I think Boise State will do that for the most part. But uh, yeah, 13 and a half is a lot for them going on the road. But I, I guess I just I guess I just feel like Boise's got too much firepower on offense and. and Wyoming too too little I guess they certainly do but Boise State's had some like had some games this year where where you expect them to win by a lot more than they did and I feel like like even last week against BYU BYU is you know obviously a respectable team in its own right as well but I, I feel like Boise State 
uh, tends to play a little bit down to its competition when it's on the road, especially. So that's why I think that like a nearly two touchdown spread yeah. uh, seems like seems to have me convinced that Wyoming can pull it can pull off the cover at least. I don't think they're going to win by any means. I think Boise State just like yeah, out, that's like, fair. And, and, and yeah, they only beat Colorado State by five at home. So yeah, I I I wouldn't want to put a bet on it just because I'm I'm like snake bit from Wyoming earlier. And, fair. But, uh, yeah, Boise wins, maybe not by 14. All right. And then uh, wrapping us up for this part, we got Memphis, uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Tulsa. So D'Angelo Brewer looks questionable with that ankle that he played through last week. He he had, like, a 44-carry and, like, a 36-carry game right in a row uh, preceding that. So he, he's reckless. Yeah, he's only, like, 190 pounds, so he's he's not really built for that. They might need to ride James Flanders in this. Uh, six and a half kind of feels a little high for me just because I'm not convinced Memphis really has its identity down. Like it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team with a good amount of talent. Anthony Miller is a beast at receiver. Right. They got a couple running backs. Daryl Henderson's really interesting. He's, he's been a big play threat on a limited workload. But I'm not convinced that Riley Ferguson is very good. And I think Tulsa's defense might be better than people th- might – guess it does seem to be yeah um yeah they and smu have made such great advances on defense it's yeah, crazy SMU secondary looks great usually when they play when i get to watch them yeah both those both those teams were like 38 points a game allowed last year and, and the year before that even more but yeah so tulsa's only given up six passing touchdowns in seven games five interceptions one of those games was against tulane but uh yeah i mean they've, they've also they, they only gave up it was a rainy game but they, they didn't give up a passing touchdown to ohio state um Greg Ward held to 254 yards, no passing touchdowns against Tulsa. So they're more vulnerable on the ground, I guess you would say. Yeah, they're quite vulnerable on the ground. Um, so, yeah, Ferguson's going to need to step up if they're going to be able to uh, match Dane Evans, who I don't think is very good. He's definitely not accurate, but uh, he at least is, is experienced, and he, he knows the system by now. He's got the better group of receivers, certainly. All of Hobbs, Atkinson, Lucas, right. very tough. So I'll take Tulsa to cover. I'm also more. I'm also convinced that Philip Montgomery is the better coach right now than uh, Norvell might be from Memphis. Right, Norvell, you know, first year on the job. I, I think Tulsa looks to be, like you said, they are improved on the defensive side of the ball, and I, I do like that offense, even if even if they're a little bit ha- more hamstrung at running back than usual. I, I just tend to not trust Memphis these days, so I, I think I, I will go uh, the Tulsa route as well. Uh, but before we get into our big rapid-fire picks, we have a message here from Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, it all starts with the stunning website. With, all, with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. 
Go to wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Now, moving on to our kind of rapid fire quick picks for for the for like the uh Power 5 games coming up this week. Uh this is one I sort of alluded to earlier and usually I wouldn't put this kind of stinker in, in, into this portion, but uh, Penn State 11-point favorites at Purdue. Yeah, so uh, Penn State seems like they would be the letdown team, having, having you know, somehow beating Ohio State like they did. Uh, 11 points is a lot. I still think they win by, like, a touchdown. Uh, Saquon goes over 30 fantasy points easily. Yeah, where'd you have him ranked this week? Uh like three, I think. Yeah. I, I I was I was looking at your rankings throughout the day yesterday as you were making uh, like tweaks to him on the website. And I think at one point he he might have been. He your was number one. number one for a while. I have I had to put him behind, or I, oh, I have him all the way down at five because um, McNichols is really hard to not have at the top. Wyoming's run defense I don't think is built to stop him. Mixon I had at two because I don't think Pirine's supposed to play. Mm-hmm. Atavius Mathers has been insane. It's yes. really hard to leave him out of the top five, and then. Aaron Jones at UTEP uh, has some matchup I really like. I can't remember, but are yeah, they playing UTSA? Uh, that sounds right. And they, yeah, he had three touchdowns last week, or Old Dominion rather. Okay, uh, but yeah, he had three touchdowns last week. Uh, Old Dominion's just—I I don't think the, the kind of team that can stop Jones. And Jones has shown that he's pretty much—he uh, he should have been recruited by a BCS school because he. Uh, like, like I think he produced against like Arkansas last year or something mm-hmm. like that. Not, not that they weren't as bad as they are this year on the ground. I don't know. Maybe I'll move Barkley up ahead of of, of Jones, but I those top three guys, I, I can't really move much. Yeah, and I mean my my reasoning, you know, very similar. You know, Penn State's coming off this huge win and Purdue's a team that you can definitely overlook. Obviously, they they got rid of their coach not too long ago. Uh, they can't seem to run the ball anymore. That was one thing that they were at least able to do a little bit last year, but. One thing is that they can kind of score. Uh, they they throw it a million times a game. Uh, David Blau is fifth in the country in attempts per game. So I mean, they, that's all. <laughs> yeah, that, so they definitely let it fly. And I, I think I could see a situation where Purdue at least gives Penn State a little bit of a scare, especially you know Penn State potentially sleepwalking for I think it's probably eleven a.m. Uh, local time kickoff. You know after like the you know primetime slot last weekend so Purdue sort of my like not necessarily upset pick but definitely I I think they can cover this one uh Louisville at Virginia Louisville just like this this spread is so insane but I still like we feel I feel like we say this every time about Louisville that they're favored by 32 and a half on the road against Virginia like can they do it yeah, I think well, Virginia's got a bit of a mess at quarterback right now. I don't know if they benched Benkert uh, or if they're merely considering it going to Matt Johns, I presume, in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Taquan Mazel is uh, basically a receiver playing running back, and uh, his, his rushing average is pushing five yards per carry this year, but it feels like it's going to drop by about .6 in this game. He is not the kind of person that I can that I would – think could run on louisville no uh they got some decent players on offense olamide zacchaeus or whatever his name is is pretty impressive but uh and mazel can catch passes out of the backfield but it is gonna stay benkert for now at least okay but yeah it's um yeah i I can't see virginia scoring more than like 17 points and i can't see them holding louisville under uh like 49 (laughs) right so you know that there we are right at the right at the spread line so i mean this one is, is is probably one I'm leaving alone for these purposes because that, that's just a ton of points. 
Uh, even if I, th- I think they are going to blow out Virginia overall, I'm just not sure that they get to that 33 mark. That seems like a little bit messy. Um, we got West Virginia, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Oklahoma State. I'll take Western Virginia to cover that. I don't think uh, – I don't. Th- I don't think Oklahoma State knows what it's doing right now, and it seems seems like Gundy's kind of losing his grips on things. He's become like half of a Mike Leach, like for some reason, <laughs> like in his press conferences, being like, "And by the way, all these selfies, uh, it's, it's disgusting ruining football." Yeah, that's why they're not good. Um, everybody says my haircut's stupid, but look at look, their selfie sticks and everything. Take that into account. Um, he's it, the team doesn't seem right. Like they 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 couldn't they couldn't pass block at all for Mason Rudolph against Kansas. So West Virginia, their defense is good, um, not just by Big Twelve standards. Like it's actually pretty good. So uh, in the meantime, uh, D- Dana Holgerson is one of one of the coolest coaches in college football. He, he's when he when he has a well uh, well oiled machine like this, I'm 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 always willing to buy in because uh, seems to have like a good good combination of talent and experience and like he, he's just got them running well and he, he shows like adaptability as a coach too like he right. was he was running case keenum's offense in houston whenever back in the day and now he's he's got a he, he's shown the ability to go like almost like wishbone run heavy when he when his quarterback can't throw the ball so mm-hmm. he's i think he's just good i think west virginia makes clear in this game that they're the class of that conference i hope so i, I think they will and you know they have the kind of defense that, that like is a lot it's pretty much unlike any other defense in the Big 12. And, you know, they've held, they've held three straight Big 12 opponents under 20 points. Uh, Kansas State to 16 points. That's not that impressive. But uh, holding, holding uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock uh, to 17 and then TCU at home to 10. Uh, that, I mean, those are, those are a couple of really impressive performances from their defense right there. Those two teams threw the ball 81 times against West Virginia and got three touchdowns out of it. So um, I, I can see Mason Rudolph throwing 40 passes in this game, scoring two times, but I can't see his run game scoring more than once. Right. And, uh, yeah, in, in the meantime, like, the, the Cowboys' defense hasn't been very good. Right, so I, th- I think we're both in agreement that West Virginia should be able to pick up this win, and you know w- that'll make their their meeting with Baylor down the line even more uh, anticipated. I believe they're playing last week of the season. Um, all right, so we we both like West Virginia there. Um, I, I picked this next one out just because it seemed strange, and I didn't know what to do with it. it uh, Boston College at North Carolina State, NC State coming off getting just romped by by Clemson or uh, by Louisville sorry and I know that last week we were discussing like how how NC State could do this and we sort of came up with like two scenarios and one of them was they they burnt all their matches trying to keep up with Clemson and they were just going to get pummeled by Louisville and that's basically what happened uh so now that you know they're trying to lick their wounds this week against BC how do you see this one shaking out that's a lot of points just in general for Boston College because since they basically don't throw the ball, you're dealing with you know a clock only about 90% as long as the average game. So that's that's something to consider when, when imagining point totals. Uh, in the meantime, like I, I don't think North Carolina State has a good defense, but to their credit, they're only aver- they're only allowing an average of 3.1 per carry. So Maybe the reasoning is just like the the North Carolina State personnel is just built to shut down this half offense that Boston College runs. Yeah, and I think it, it might be even 
happier this time around because I think Patrick Tolls, uh, he might sit out. He's going to be a true game time decision. So it's like Darius Wade or, or someone that I hadn't heard of until this morning uh, taking over at quarterback for them. Yeah, they're they're really bad. I hate the way they play football, but uh, they they seem to like the way they run the clock out. And, and I guess they're, if anything, built to stop the run. Um, so like Ryan Finley's done a fine enough job at quarterback, but, uh, North Carolina state's strength is on the ground with days and, uh, Samuels is right. obviously active as a pass catcher, but they don't really have a reliable receiver rotation. So, uh, that's a lot of points for me, but if I had to pick a spread side in this, I, I would take North Carolina state just cause Boston college is just gross. Yeah. BC is that bad. And, and, uh, I think that, you know, BC would, would be a team that I would avoid occasionally last year uh, when they had the defensive coordinator that's now at Michigan. There's been a pretty noticeable decline in their play this year. That's so worth, yeah, that's worth mentioning. They might just not even have a good defense anymore. The only game they showed up well this year was against Georgia Tech. Um, so that's, yeah, and yeah against that's non-option like their bread teams. bread and butter. Yeah. To, to, like, they're built to stop that still. Like 42 nothing against Virginia Tech or something. Yeah, it would, yeah, so. they got romped. Um, so I think I think NC State can can do this even even if BC doing their darndest to uh to like Bill Snyder it and and just yeah. get the clock to zero. Um, then we got you know the the game is near and dear to me that I'm just gonna be like yelling at the TV in the office. Uh, Georgia Georgia Florida game down in Jacksonville. Uh, Florida seven and a half point favorite. Both I'll teams coming that. off a bye. Yeah, Florida's gonna gonna wax. Probably or not wax, but like it's going to be like a beat down by twelve points. It's a rivalry game, right? Is that yes. the reason why it's not like twelve and a half or something? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I just don't think Kirby Smart is not half the coach that Jim McElwain is, and Georgia probably has less talent too. So mm. I mean, at, le- at least on, on they're not off- getting anything out of their talent. Whereas like Florida hasn't had as good recruiting in the past few years as Georgia, but like Georgia has nothing to show for it right now. They they're playing like a bunch of chickens with their head cut off. Oh man, that 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 those don't cover the spread. So, no, they don't. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Florida to cover that. I guess because it's a rivalry game, wacky things can happen. But I, I think it, I think we're also nearing the point in the year where like the team is going to start just like despairing because of Smart's just poor results so far. And if and McIlwain's going to have his guys playing, you know, blood and vinegar. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, just a reminder to the listening public that Georgia lost at home to Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, if you if you're like on the fence about this one for any reason, just remember that, and like you're good, you're fine. Oh man, you, it's like you're re- like you're interrupting a, the the broadcast to announce that like somebody died or something. <laughs> they did lose to Vanderbilt. Just, yep, just so you know. Say. Oh God, jeez. Um, all right, <laughs> trying to move past that one. Uh, we got Texas uh, at or uh, Texas hosting Baylor. Baylor only three point favorites. Yeah, Weird. I'll take them to cover. I I think uh, Charlie Strong is not a coach who I think would have his team really quit on him. Like he he might not be up to the task that he has, but he he's. It seems like all of his players love him and and will at least like try to defend him and play as hard as they can. But their defense is garbage, and yes. uh, Seth Russell is is not quite as good this year as last year. But you would expect that losing Corey Coleman, right? And not they having haven't Cannon had Johnny much. Jefferson either. Yeah, they haven't had Johnny Jefferson. He left the team, and like Katie Cannon's been hurt and missed some time, so he should be fine with this one. Like I think they're coming off the bye, so yeah, they got like a but like, they had like. 
two buys around one game, and I think the one game was against Kansas or so, like some okay. some insanely nice fit scheduling on their part. But yeah, I just I I think the Baylor defense is way better than Texas's. I know that doesn't really mean much exactly, but Texas doesn't even really have the ability to throw the ball reliably. Like Diver- no. if Duvernay doesn't have eighty yard touchdown, they're just kind of not moving if except for Devon. Dante Foreman so he Foreman will eat he always will but I I think Baylor does well both on the ground and the air so they I would imagine win by like 10 or something yeah I was correct Baylor played Iowa State on October 1st then had a bye week then had Kansas then another bye week and now they have Texas like that (laughs) is that is nice for them it's been a nice little chill month for them so i think that they they should be uh fresh coming into this one i think they'll be able to exploit those texas weaknesses i i, I think that this i was surprised at how uh little they were favored by i think they can definitely win by a touchdown yeah um tcu coming off a tough loss look looking a little bit lost right now but they're still nine point favorites That's against texas much. tech right i'm sorry give me tech uh, like like I'm, I'm terrible at picking spreads apparently and like I do better with like the the picks that I'm forced to make rather than the ones I really want to. Uh, but still, nine points. Like TCU's defense has only been like marginally better than Texas Tech's, and Texas Tech's offense is way better. Well, it, they have no running game, but it doesn't matter okay. because Mahomes is not going to get stopped by that TCU defense. Like they've been bad this year. Uh, I, I don't understand. Like maybe it, maybe maybe the reasoning is like, oh, but they're going to get better as the year goes along because Gary Patterson always has good defenses. But I I don't think nine there, there's been no signs of of that at all. I think they they might get Turpin back this week, but they said that last week too. I mean that that'll like help, but I but imagine he'd be a, on the snap count. Like. It's just uh yeah. I mean Mahomes that that stupid Texas Tech offense is not going to let you get ahead by more than one touchdown. No, like you you can't stop them that many times. Yeah, it's I mean it's just science and it's been proven over and over and over again. So I I don't think the TCU has the firepower. To, I don't to even go think that they're going to win necessarily. Like I don't. Like Kenny Hill, he he has this way of yeah starting fast and like this year he started fast but not even as fast as he did at A and M. Like there were a lot of dodged bullets in his start to the year, even with all the interceptions that he threw this year. And right. West Virginia, predictably the first good defense that he faced, just shut him down. Um, Texas Tech's really awful on defense, so like they're not going to get a similar result. But I think all it takes is one turnover from Hill. And then that could be the game. Yeah, and he he's shown that that uh, he can he can uh, slip up and make the mistake this year. So yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Texas Tech should be able to do it. Um, we got Washington State thirteen and a half point favorites on the road at Oregon State. I That's thought Washington State was gonna was gonna beat Arizona State by a lot more last week than they did. They kind of had to squeak by. Uh, five point win. Uh, Oregon State. I mean, they're like so banged up. You don't even know what what they're gonna like cobble together offensively. We're not. We're still not sure if Ryan they, Hall's gonna play. They are just weird. Yeah, right it's now. just a strange, strange like mishmash type thing. Yeah, it's 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 like a it's like an all volunteer like. F- flag football at the park kind of thing like we're not sure we have a quarterback can someone here play quarterback like all right you you try it well well, he's fast maybe if we let him play quarterback he can just run or something um so yeah i don't know if it's going to be marcus mccarian seth collins whatever um but yeah null being questionable jordan villeman's just terrible now i guess like it it, it doesn't make any sense he's definitely talented because he's, he's too big and fast and was very productive at a young age the last two years but they've the coaches there are basically like you're you're a, you're a clown. You're benched. You're not working hard enough. Which 
I, I don't know what we're supposed to make of that. Anyway, uh, this Jeez. with all that said, 13 and a half. I'll take Washington State to cover, but I feel a little uneasy about it because Oregon State's pass defense is the only yes. reason they haven't been just crushed every single week. Right. So uh, I think just for for the interest uh, of the, of the show, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Oregon State because I think that they they will be able to slow that Washington but, State passing attack. But Shit, maybe just enough. They they're allowing five point two yards per carry, and Washington State has. All the running backs now. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes they, me they, feel they're gonna they're gonna give it. each of them four or five carries, and uh, that might be enough. 20, I don't. 20 but no, they got uh, like James Williams or something. Gerard Wicks, Jamal Morrow. They're all doing really well. Jamal Morrow, great at the coin flip, according to Mike Leach. Oh, that is good to know. Uh, so yeah, if they put him out there, um, they're gonna get the ball either in the first or second half, depending on what they feel like. <laughs> Oh gosh, what a team! I mean, both these teams are so bizarre, but I I enjoy both of them. So this will this will be a game that I'll, I'll I will try to watch if I can. Um, let's see. the The only reason I'm picking this one out is because the it, the line is just disrespectful, but I love it. It's Michigan uh, twenty three points on Michigan. the road. <laughs> it seriously might be against Michigan State. Yeah, twenty three and a half. It, it seems stupid to take that given just. You know, Danton- like D'Antonio has been saving up all of his fake punt touchdowns for this game. Yeah, because he hasn't had any. But he has had no wizardry so he, far this he's, year. He's going to need at least two fake punt touchdowns in this game to cover. I think he gets one at most. <laughs> I think I think that's, yeah. Just one and maybe a big gain off of one, but they, they'll fail to punch it in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll take I'll take Michigan to win by, like, 35. I don't care. Yeah, Michigan's going to go in there and burn the place down. It's going to be bad. I mean, uh, if if you don't believe us, uh, Michigan State lost to Maryland by a pretty handy margin, and they, they've lost to several other teams that you would have never imagined them losing this, to. Yeah, this is going to be, like, the first – I don't know. Maybe this has happened before. But uh, first case I've seen where the losing team's fans riot – um, I mean, I feel like maybe that was like, like, I mean, like West Virginia has done that in the past. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> but they'll burn the couch for whatever reason, like you know, like. But uh, yeah, this is this is going to be really tough for for Spartan people to get over. Yeah, they, like ever. I'm I'm looking at their schedule right now. Five. They're two and five, loss. right? Oh yeah, my God. five straight losses. Uh, their only pseudo quality win, or their only win against an FBS opponent is Notre Dame. Um, so it, we should have known once Notre Dame lost to Duke, like, oh my God, yeah, Michigan State's going to lose the next five. Yeah, this is bad. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that that is going to be a beatdown. Uh, we're going to get into the bigger games here of the week. Um, I'd like to start with with Wisconsin and Nebraska instead of the Washington. Wisconsin's game. going to kill Nebraska. I, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I. I know um, Nebraska's probably been saving some of their tricks for this game, and Wisconsin's been, you know, pretty, pretty. They've been using some of their tricks all season long. But the thing is, I, I think they, they, uh, maybe, the only way Wisconsin doesn't cover this nine point game is if if they do that stupid quarterback rotation again, which I don't know they might. But that was that was stupid. Like they they won the game, so they probably left it being like, "Oh, I guess it was a good idea." But no, it's not a good idea to pull out your definite starter for like a series at a time, randomly in a game, unless you think that you're diversifying your skill set somehow, in which you're not. When it's Bart Hughes, it's like, "Oh, this is this is a interesting twist for the defense because this is a right-handed quarterback." Like it's not like baseball. Worse. Like yeah, it's it's not like a it's not like a pitcher. Like it's it's just 
the, they're slow quarterbacks, pocket passers. The defense will call its game exactly the same in either case. They don't do anything differently, and you're not giving any unique insight to Hornerbrook, making him watch from the sideline where you can't see anything anyway. Like if you if, if he's if you're doing this under the, the, the reasoning like oh we're gonna let him learn lessons about how the game works so he can get a new perspective, you're like you're gonna have to send him to the press box. You can't even see anything on the sideline. So it's stupid. I hope they don't do it because I'm picking Wisconsin to cover, and if they do that that nonsense again, they might not cover. Wow, I enjoyed that. That was pretty intense. I think that Wisconsin is going to win pretty handily as well. I just don't think that Nebraska has really been tested whatsoever this year. I I don't think that they're going to be able to – um, to come up to to Madison, uh, and the, you know, I'm not even a Wisconsin fan per se. I've just you know we've watched them pretty much every week this year, and uh, I mean they're so tough at home. I know that they've lost some guys to injuries along the this way. This is a night game, but but it is a night game, Halloween in night game. So it's going to be de- speaking of riots. Oh my god! Oh no! I'm, yeah, I, hope. I think I'm getting out of here. Hopefully, hopefully the Wisconsin people at least like think lowly of Nebraska, so they don't they don't like if if they will if they like beat Michigan or something, I'd be like, oh my god, get get in the basement, but. But if if it's Nebraska, maybe they'll just be like it's like they don't know the difference between that and Indiana or something. Maybe. And then aren't there gonna doesn't Nebraska's fan base travel extremely well too? And uh, I don't know. I, it, it'll be hard for before. them to start fights with each other because they'll look all the same right uh, after fourteen years, be dark, especially. It's gonna be dark yeah. out. Like yeah. So good point there. But yeah, I think both of us are in agreement that that Wisconsin should be able to shut them down. I think it's gonna be a long day for for uh, Tommy Armstrong. Tommy's gonna He's, throw three interceptions. Yep. It's it's coming. It's long overdue. He's like had games where it, it looked like he was about to get picked multiple times, and you know we've had some drops. But he, I think he has thrown picks in like three straight games or something. So and they were sleepwalking against Purdue for half the game. They, they really, they seriously were. So I, I'd be worried about that sort of element. I think they are getting Jordan Westerkamp back, which helps, but I don't know how much it helps. Yeah, it just it just means like you're you're not completely dead on arrival in that case, but it it's it's not enough. No, it is not. Um so on Wisconsin there, uh we got Washington ten point favorites at Utah. That's a lot because I'm a little bit worried about uh, you know, I think earlier in the year when Washington pulled off that win against Stanford, I thought, okay, that's it. Like they, they're going to cakewalk through the through the rest of their schedule. No one else scares me. But Utah has looked pretty good, and they've shown that they can score a lot. And the the one game that Washington really kind of did have some trouble er, earlier in the year was against Arizona, yeah. uh, against a running quarterback in a team that can run the ball really well. Utah offers that, but even more so. You know, Troy Williams, who used to play for Washington, so he's got a little bit of revenge angle going. Um, and the uh, uncovered from the dead Joe Williams, who's just like on an absolute. This is warp. by far like the this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in football. Right, like he retired for over a month or about a month anyway. Um, <laughs> not, like it was it was wacky when he ran for 170 yards but then 330 yeah so he's got 500 yards in his last two it's games like, how did how, what, what? What, how did this happen how did how did he get like benched to the point of retiring after two games uh it's it's very strange so yeah i mean i'll take i'll take washington to win but yeah i do think this is most similar to the arizona game where uh troy and joe williams will will make it interesting but i think like chris peterson being the methodical almost like serial killer looking guy that he is <laughs> probably has like 
saved some sort of some sort of device for for Utah. Like I doubt he overlooked this game at any point. Right. Even though he was just just smashing Oregon State into oblivion last just week with pull- his hands behind his back. Yeah. In between that and pulling the legs off of spiders, he was laying out a plan that would capture Troy Williams into a turnover into a turnover vice. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe so- they decide to blitz maybe for one. Although that wouldn't that wouldn't really work uh, too much against Utah because they're just going to be running it. But, but yeah, it's it's a there's just there's too much speed and talent on the Washington offense, I think, for Utah to hold them down for the whole game. But I can kind of see the Washington defense being able to, you know, as long as they don't have a Jake Browning turnover, giving Utah a start from like a 40 yard line of Washington's. I don't necessarily see the Utes scoring a touchdown in this. OK, so, yeah, and I mean, it, they, they probably will. But it's it's just not one of those things that the projections would necessarily bear out. Well, I mean, UCLA scored 45 points on, on Utah last week. And, you know, granted, that was, uh, they that threw was, it 70 times. Yeah, that was kind of – that was just the West Coast, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, where for some reason both teams were, like, a little bit just off and, and decided Fawful to was stop. awful. Five touchdowns, four picks. Uh, yeah, that's bad. Um, not the pun. Uh, no, the pun is pretty the, bad. Yeah, yeah, but um, anyway, uh, that that was a pretty gross game. It was it was. I, I know Jim. Credit to Jim Mora for not being mean to a, a, you know, a guy who was down. But he was after the game. It's like he played with like a heck of a lot of grit. It's like, dude, he turned the ball over like six times. Like, I mean, that you can do that and be gritty, I guess. But what is grit then? Yeah, I mean, if it's not getting you getting you the W's, then. I don't know, man, because winning's everything. So, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take Utah to cover. It's just it's a tough setting for Washington to to hang ten extra on them. I think so too. So you know, uh, we agree there. Uh, we got Auburn at Ole Miss. Auburn kind of owns this rivalry historically, uh, but Ole Miss obviously has had a resurgence in the past few years. They've had some good games against each other. Auburn four and a half point favorites on the road. Auburn looks so darn good last week. And they're getting Carryon Johnson back, uh, whereas Ole Miss just got shredded uh, on the ground. I mean that that's gonna happen when when Leonard Fournette you know awakens from his slumber the way he did. But uh, Auburn's Auburn's gonna come out, and it's, I don't know. I think that they're gonna. I think they might blow the doors off Ole Miss, even if it is at Vaud uh, Hemingway. Right. Even even before that beatdown from LSU's rushing attack, Mississippi had a problem on the ground, which is to say, like this is setting up almost exactly the same as the Arkansas Auburn game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's weird to me that Auburn's defense has been so successful when they don't force turnovers or get sacks, but it's they're somehow doing it. They're like tackle for loss machines, though. Like they get back there. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like only four interceptions somehow this year. Which watching them, it it feels like they're. Uh, doing m- inflicting more pain right more something more abstract or some, something less abstract than like a lot of three and outs it f- you'd think that they were just you know leaving guys hurt right um, which they, which they might be maybe maybe like the the sacks are just indicative of like the play calling that they've faced and they just haven't seen enough passes or maybe there's going to be three or four interceptions in this game maybe they correct the the average in this one and chad kelly could help them out because you know obviously Ole Miss doesn't run the ball so they're going to be throwing it a lot and yeah, i think chad he might Kelly's melt down gonna, in this. Yeah, this could yeah. be the beginning. He's of getting some. He's getting a lot of distractions. Like people are, people are kind of media's just now talking about. Like he's got a bit of a past, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, and he, I mean, and then it, you know, it was clear 
that well, I think what was what was serving him well was that he hadn't had any run-ins in, yeah. in quite a while until the bye week when he got in a fight at a high school football game. And it's, right, it's he ru- like, he rushed the field to like try to like. Did you see the video of it? Yeah, with like oh, a okay. towel hanging out of his back of his pants, like just jumping around. Yeah, that uh, was hilarious. It was bad. You you can't lose the next game <laughs> after you do that. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, now that he lost and had that video come out, it's it's official. Like the media is on him. Right, and uh, he he seems like he's a little bit you know a little bit short fused so this this could be a setting where he just kind of you know just just gets disoriented i think i think so too i think auburn uh i like this line the most amongst the big games probably so i is he um is he is he like the football no this isn't fair i was going to say is he the football marshall henderson or whatever but. I mean, I love that comparison just because they're just like some some almost dudes. I can that you just see him love get to hate on. Yeah, I can see I can see like Kelly getting booed by the home team and him like trying to fight the crowd or something. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, it, like takes his helmet off and runs into the stands like, uh, and that could. I mean, if they're getting blown out and he's got three picks, you know, midway through the third quarter, I could see. At least giving fingers John. to the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is going so poorly. Um, so yep, I think we are both in on Auburn there. And then uh, a game that maybe has lost a bit of its luster from when we, you know, thought of it uh, before the season. And I think the fact that neither team played last week sort of like has taken a little bit of the of like the juice out of it. But we, I mean, it's still going to be awesome. Florida State uh, at home against Clemson. Um, Clemson four point favorites. I think the the winner of this game has gone on to win the division like each of the last seven years or something. I mean, so this is a huge game. Yeah, it looks like Clemson should have Wayne Gallman, who had the concussion uh, recently. Uh, I, I, it feels easy to just take Clemson in this, but on the other hand, it also feels to me like Florida State's up and down season includes a lot of downs that are not necessarily uh, indicative of anything. Like they're just kind of like wacky aberrations, especially something like the Louisville game. Right. Um, the North Carolina game is harder to rationalize, but you know, be. be, be Going and beating Miami on the road—that was impressive. Yeah, that's 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 the kind of stuff that makes you wonder. Like, is this this just what happens to a team that has you know a first-year starter at quarterback and is just generally kind of rebuilding itself, losing losing the players that it did? Maybe they'll get better as the year goes along, and especially off of a bye week, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a setting where they overachieve. Uh, I I think they'll they'll make it really tough. I have to take Clemson though, just because I. I mean, it's it's hard to expect Francois to play to the level of Watson, and Watson gets so much more help from his defense. Like the Florida State run defense has been pretty bad this year. Right. Um, granted, almost entirely they got killed by Louisville and South Florida, who accumulated 600 of the roughly 1,100 yards that they've given up on the ground. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a it should be a close game. Um, but yeah, I got to got to take Watson, and, and it's like Florida State. If their defense overachieves, they could pull off the upset. But it's just kind of hard to see their their defense getting anywhere near Clemson's level. I respect that, and and you know, I feel like the Gallman returning definitely helps things because I, I was taking a look at it. Uh, no other Clemson running back had like twenty more than twenty five carries. So I mean, like uh, if they were missing him, I think this line would be a little bit uh, thinner. Um, but you know, we're sitting at four. I think all the reasons that you gave, plus the bye week, uh, plus plus Jimbo. I do like Jimbo uh, in these sort of chess match games. Uh, I think Florida State does this. I think they do pull it off. 
That's uh, at home at night. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't, I won't dissuade anyone from it. I, I, I gotta, I gotta take Clemson, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take Clemson to cover too. But it's, it's, I definitely see the the setup where that where that could go wrong. Fair enough. So, uh, I think we we're both in agreement that Utah is going to cover. Both agree that Wisconsin will. Auburn uh, almost definitely will, in our opinion, and and uh, we're split on the Clemson Florida State. Uh, side of things. Um, do you want to get into a little bit of season long discussion before we wrap things up here? Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go a little bit like positionally. Um, also, uh, you guys should definitely check out John's article, uh, the start sit, which which uh, follows our, our article by Nick Gray's, which is the waiver wire. So uh, find out from Nick who to pick up, and then let John point out who who should start and who shouldn't. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, Nick Nick pointed out Ben Hicks's uh, big week against against um, Houston as perhaps a reason to uh, buy in. I'm I'm not super in on it just because I I feel like Hicks is a little bit has has more ups and downs in his future. Um, but I can't remember who SMU is playing this week. If if at, at the very least if you if you got a speculative spot on your roster. He might be worth getting. Um, Nick also pointed out Tulane at Tulane. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't start him this week because Tulane's just not going to let you run more than like fifty-eight plays uh, before they run the clock out. Uh, Nick pointed out Cole Hikatini, the Louisville tight end, is is definitely worth picking up. Uh, that that will certainly co-sign that. Uh, he he's he was he was hyped up going into last year, just didn't really get it going. He had, I thought he had like maybe an injury or something, but their deep group of pass catchers obviously makes it hard to get going. Uh, Nick pointed out Kyle Hicks, who I would certainly advise you to pick up if he's available this week. I have him ranked number eight right now at running back because he's going against Texas Tech. I mean, it's the same setting as Joe Mixon, um, and I I think that game will kind of resemble that Oklahoma-Texas Tech game as well. Um, You mentioned Jeffrey Wilson at North Texas. He's in my top 12 this week. North Texas, uh, who is it that they get again? It's some pushover, I remember. Uh, Yeah, I think it it might be like one of the worst – F- FCS teams are. are, are I'm trying uh, to load it right now, but oh, uh, UTSA. So uh, yes. yeah, Will, Wilson's got an insane touchdown percentage right now. He's not even. He's not even. I don't know if he has a single 20 carry game this year, but he's already up to 12 touchdowns on like um, I don't know, so, some unusually low number of carries. Mm-hmm. So North Texas was attempting to do like an air raid thing this year, but their quarterbacks are garbage. So instead, they're just doing this up tempo thing with Wilson. It's really working out well. He's been good for a while. He just had bad injury luck and had had bad players around him in the past. Uh, going back to quarterback briefly, I know we th- we both thought Penn State might get a little sleepy for this one, but Trace McSorley against Purdue is kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, he's mentioned in Nick's article because he's he's got that dual threat thing going at least. So uh, just as we expect Saquon to get going, um, McSorley could probably get something going on the run. Uh, Nick pointed out Tyrone Owens at New Mexico, who bo- both him and Terry on Gibson are doing this thing where they get like 12 carries for 150 yards a game. Uh, he, I can't remember who they're going against, but he's, he's a, he's definitely worth looking at. Um, trying to remember, um, oh, uh, Demaria, Demaria, I don't even know how to say his name, Crockett at Missouri going against Kentucky coming off a four touchdown game. I think he stays hot because, uh, Kentucky's garbage garbage defense will yes. let him get going he's he was a pretty high recruit this year too uh, i mentioned i love marquise young at massachusetts against wagner he might be on the, some waiver wires just because the massachusetts brutal schedule holding him to three touchdowns so far this year i bet he gets three in one game this time around uh ronald jones should get another start 
at running back for USC in a game that could see something like 150 plays run. Uh, I expect Jones to have a big game against California, perhaps the best game of his career. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, the California run defense is, is really a pushover. So, uh, and, and yeah, I, I, th- I think the whole USC offense, at, at least Juju, Darnold, Ronald Jones, I'll get wild in that one. If, if D'Angelo Brewer should sit out the Tulsa game, uh, Flanders is, is interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, the running backs and, and the quarterbacks. Uh, I'm trying to pull up my receiver list here. Um, John, did you have any general thoughts while I'm t- um, doing this? Let's see. Uh, I had Demetrius Roberts, Robertson uh, from Cal. Uh, the, he's a freshman receiver, you know, playing opposite Chad Hansen. I'm not really sure what to make of – of what he'll be able to do against USC if Hansen is out. He wasn't as productive last week with Hansen out. So I think if Hansen's in, he draw he takes away Adoree Jackson. I think that definitely opens things up for for Robertson. So I think at that point, he's somebody I'd definitely consider. Uh, Stanley Williams at Kentucky. I mean, if you have him, you're probably not benching him. But I mean, uh, I like this matchup against Mizzou a lot because they lost uh, their best linebacker uh like most tackles on the team for the season with a torn acl and they also lost terry beckner who's one of their better edge defenders for the year so with the I, torn acl so uh, i mean there's two guys that, and they're already a bad defense yeah i like i like stanley williams a lot it's they've kind of been running him behind benjamin snell though so they, they right. both should be well in this game though because um kentucky can't really throw the no, ball right they, now not in the but yeah snell and williams both should do well I, snell was actually i think in like my top 25 for the week so i'm, I'm expecting quite a nice game from him um if you're looking for under the radar types i think there's a there's a couple buy low opportunities uh with uh ishmael zamora at baylor has had a quiet couple weeks and and uh katie cannon should be back but i don't think that will hurt zamora i think uh with with baylor going against a a fellow high tempo offense like texas's i think we're going to see a huge play count in that game I, i would be very surprised if zamora played in that offense um, and they ran as many plays as I think they will, and he didn't get back on track, especially right. when he started so hot when he came off the suspension. Uh, feels like a fluke that he's been quiet since then to me. Um, I would, uh, let's see. Also, he's been bad lately, but Darren Carrington, if you're desperate, uh, Oregon's playing against Arizona State, who cannot defend the pass against anybody. Nope. So I like Carrington's chances of getting going. It's amazing that uh, Herbert threw six touchdowns against California and Carrington had nothing to do with it. Charles oh, Nelson, geez. Charles Nelson was the busier receiver and he, he he's worth gambling on too, I think, because Arizona state, uh, up-tempo offense, no defense at all. So, uh, Herbert should be able to keep it going pretty well. Uh, those two receivers sh- should stand to benefit. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely check out our weekly rankings on the site that, that goes a little bit more in depth and can probably uh, anticipate some questions you might have between player X or Y. Yeah, I always I always take a look at the rankings uh, before I finalize my lineup for our like RotoWire league. But yeah, uh, otherwise, um, yeah, I guess that's that's about all I got for the season long. I'm trying to look at the tight ends here to see if it's it's pretty much all the names we've already said though. So it's like right. maybe everybody knows about Tyler Conklin, Adam Brenneman, as we mentioned before. He's a top tight end play this week. Uh, but otherwise, it's like yeah, the 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 tight end surprises of the year are kind of all settled in. So there's not much that's going to change really. Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the week nine RotoWire college football podcast brought to you by Wix.com. I'm John McKechnie. That was Mario Puig. Thanks again for listening. Napa know how.
A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.